The following audio is from Overland Park Community Church. More information about OPCC can be found online at overlandpark.cc. Welcome to OPCC. I'm glad to have you here. Glad for those of you joining online each week. We're encouraged by that. And I often uh, find out about people who don't know they're uh, watching online and participating online until later. And that's always real encouraging. So welcome to you guys as well. We've been learning about how the Holy Spirit, the pneuma, which is one of the words to talk about the Holy Spirit in the Bible, how he speaks to us. That sounds a little strange sometimes. You hear somebody say, man, the Lord speaks to me. And that's not an audible voice, okay? That is, but it is a very familiar voice. Um, and it's a voice that we can recognize very clearly. And we either step into and walk out the obedience that he is challenging us with or asking us to do, or we rebel from it. That's been the case throughout all of biblical history. Even um, before the Holy Spirit actually indwelt people, God would use his spirit and the spirit of his word um, as he preached to the people to call people to obedience. And people either respond and step into the obedience or they run from it. And in the New Testament, man, this is something that um, is not law-based, it's more grace-based, and it's more individualized because now the Holy Spirit um, doesn't just come over one person for a special work. He indwells all believers. And so all believers who have confessed Christ as Savior, recognize that they're a sinner and called on Him to forgive them of their sins and, and be the Lord of their lives, and they can hear the voice of God. And again, it, it sounds a little crazy to say, man, you can hear the voice of God. But Jesus said this was happened. He said in John chapter 10, verse 27, the whole chapter has a lot to do with um, God speaking and Jesus speaking to his sheep. But particularly in verse 27, he says, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. And so I not only... Um, is Jesus saying, like, he will speak and we will hear, but those who belong to him follow him. They walk out their obedience. And when, when we come to life, like, spiritually, and we hear this talked about, you might hear it um, said, like, you get saved or you're born again. Um, what, what does that mean? It means that Prior to the Lord revealing to you and inviting you, which you cannot come into the kingdom, Jesus said nobody can come to the Father unless the Father draws him unto himself. It's prior to that invitation and prior to your response to that invitation and your acceptance of it, you're dead in your sin. Um, the scripture is very plain that we are dead in our sins and transgressions against God. So all of humanity. All of humanity is not good by its nature. All of humanity is bad by its nature. Now, that doesn't mean that bad people can't do good things, but in the eyes of God, all of humanity is desperately wicked and far from Him. And the only thing that can reconcile that deficiency is a relationship with Jesus, because He is the perfect sacrifice for sin that washes the sin away. And so we baptized Tara today, and her sins were not washed away when she was baptized. Your sins are washed away when you recognize you're a sinner who stands in need of God's grace, 
you confess your sin and you receive his grace in your life and you recognize that Jesus was the perfect sacrifice on the cross of Calvary, then your sins are washed away. So baptism is an act of obedience that symbolizes what has happened. You are dying to yourself in the water. like you're, It symbolizes that you have died to yourself, all rights to yourself. And you are buried. So we're burying the old person. They go under the water. And you're raised to new life in Christ. And so now you have the life of Christ in you through the pneuma of God, the Holy Spirit of God. And when that happens and we come to life, we learned in the last couple of weeks that the voice of God has several different things that, that he um, performs in our lives. Like what, what is the pneuma, the Holy Spirit of God? What can we expect from him? Well, he reminds us. What does he remind us of? He reminds us of things from the Word. This is why I'm always telling you, you need to be in the Word. You need to have a rhythm in the Word because the Holy Spirit, the pneuma of God, will remind you of things that you've read. He will remind you of things maybe that you've read prior than you're reading on another day, and you'll start to put things together, and He will remind you. If you study the book of Acts, you'll see that after the Holy Spirit came, this is one of the things that the apostles did. They devoted their time to the study of the Scriptures. Well, what were they studying? The Old Testament. The New Testament was being written because it's all about the early church and Jesus and what was happening when God visited the planet and Christ himself was God in the flesh. And, and so the New Testament is being written and they're studying the Old Testament. Well, what are they studying? Well, the Holy Spirit is reminding them of different passages and showing them that Jesus was the Messiah that was prophesied about, in some cases, thousands of years, in other cases, hundreds of years before it ever happened. This is why we have what is known as the interbiblical period, which is a period of, um, we would say, God's silent years. No scripture is revealed. No prophet is raised up for a period of four centuries. And I think it is to give time for all of the prophecies to bake and for the, um, the <clears throat> humanity to come to the, the perfect place in God's eyes of when it was ripe for him to come and take on flesh himself and walk among us. That's why we call Jesus Emmanuel. God is with us. And so he walked among us. And when he did that, um, again, that sacrifice makes a way for the Holy Spirit to be sent, and he will remind us. And so as you read the Word, sometimes you say, man, I read the Word, and it doesn't make any sense to me. It doesn't, like I know, like sometimes I read the Word, um, and there's not this big pow that hits me. That's okay. That's totally okay. Sometimes I eat food, and there's no pow, okay? Sometimes I eat a bowl of oatmeal, and just, that's it, Right? Because I don't, I try not to put sugar and butter and then it would pow, but it just sometimes it doesn't do it, right? And so that, that's okay because at other times I may be walking through something and all of a sudden I'm struggling or I'm trying to deal with something, make a decision, and this truth comes into my life. You know, where did that come from? It is the Holy Spirit reminding me of something that I've read uh, before, maybe reminding me of something that I've been taught. 
So the Lord will do that. He will also guide us. He guides us in the decisions of life. He guides us in decisions as small as, hey, um, you need to call this person and check on them. That happened to me this last week, and I, I made a couple of phone calls just checking on people. And I'm just listening to the voice of God and recognizing that, man, that is the Spirit of God in me trying to get me to realize He's wanting me to reach out and be the hands, His hands and touch someone and minister to them. And so He guides me in decisions like that. He also guides me in decisions about purchases I make. Should I buy this? Should I not buy this? Um, should I, you know, where, what my kids are, how I'm disciplining my kids or, or pointing my kids in a particular direction? The Holy Spirit is always involved in that. And the pneuma of God is always speaking to me about those things. He speaks to me about larger things, and he will speak to you about larger things as to whether or not maybe you're to move across the country. You should never, as a believer, move anywhere if the Lord hasn't told you that that's what you should do. You should stay right where you're at until the Lord impresses upon you that you should move. But if he impresses upon you to move and you don't move, that's bad too. You say, well, how do I, how do I know? You get in the Word. You let him remind you of things. You become sensitive to his voice. You're able to hear him. That's how I ended up here pastoring in Overland Park, is by listening to the Lord and watching what he was doing. And he doesn't just write it all out so that you know all that's going to happen and how it's going to play out. It's, it's, it's a walk of faith. You never know any of that. And that's what makes it so exciting. You step into the obedience and you get down the road a couple of years and you look back and you're like, wow, man, I can see, man, the Lord's um, hands all over my life. It's kind of like that song we just sang. I can see the evidence all over my life, the evidence of God leading me. And I can point back and at the longer I stack up, the more days that I stack up that I walk in obedience, they, they start to st uh, turn into to months and years and, and, and eventually a life. And I can look back and it, it becomes easier to trust the Lord and respond to the Lord, but it's still a frightening thing. And it's just something that continues to go on. And so he guides us in those kinds of decisions. And then we know that he makes things known to us. And I, I established all this a, a couple of weeks ago. And if you weren't here, you can go back and watch the sermon um, on, online. But you'll, you'll, the Lord, like, what does he make known to us? Well, the Scripture says he makes known what is his to us. And we look at Jesus, and we go, well, what did Jesus have? He didn't have anything. Matter of fact, the Scripture says he had no place to lay his head. He didn't have homes like we have. Um, I don't even think Jesus owned a donkey. As a matter of fact, I know he didn't. When he rode into town on Palm Sunday, he had to borrow one. Okay? So Jesus didn't own anything except people. And so when he, Jesus makes something known to you, it is about people. It is about people that he is moving in. And so we looked at how Philip, um, one of the guys that's described as being filled with the Holy Spirit, was listening to the voice of the Lord, and he encountered this, um, the Ethiopian secretary of finance on a desert road. And the Lord was doing something in that guy's life, and Philip led him to the Lord, and he was baptized and church tradition, the early church fathers tell us he became a missionary to Ethiopia, and the gospel traveled to Ethiopia. We learned um, last week about Paul was fighting totally against Christianity, 
And the Lord met him on a road and spoke to him, while at the same time speaking to Ananias, another follower of the Lord, and telling him to go pray for Paul. And so Ananias, and he goes and prays for Paul to encourage him. And Paul um, sets the Christian world on fire a few years later by becoming one of the, the, probably the, not becoming, he was the greatest theologian of the church still to this day. Um, wrote a, a good portion of the New Testament. And so we study his letters, and that was God working among two people. God is making known to Ananias what is his own. He says, go pray for this guy. He says, no, Lord, that's a bad idea, man. This guy's attacking the church. He said, no, I've chosen him. He's a chosen instrument of mine, and I'm going to use him. And I want you to go see him and lay hands on him and pray for him. And so he does it. And next week we'll look at a, another story. But this week I want, to, um, I want to kind of look at how the early church walked this out. And so today's um, message is pneumovision. Okay, is that how do we see what we're supposed to be doing? And this has a huge impact on us individually and corporately as a body of believers. So as a ministry, we call ourselves OPCC. And what, what is the vision that God has for this place? Where is he trying to take us? What is he doing? What is our responsibility? And so the, the way that I'm going to unpack this, we're going to look at the, at the church through the book of Acts, how it how it responded, and and we see in the early church the vision for the church and how the Holy Spirit is revealing it, and then we take away from that, well, how how can we be that kind of a church that's that's being led by the Lord as He desires? And one of the things um, that is really interesting in the book of Acts, and I I put all the references there for you so you could read through them later. I'm not going to take time to read through every one of them. Uh, because it would take too long, and I've got to start practicing and sharpening up so I can end service so we can have a second service next week. So i got to learn how to pipe this thing down, which I've done before, but it's been a while. Uh, so what's interesting in, in Acts chapter 1, we have uh, the apostles and many of, there's only about a hundred of them, okay? And not a hundred apostles, but believers, people who are disciples of the Lord. And of that hundred, there's a certain group that seemed to be the ones that Jesus invested the most time with in the beginning. And certainly the apostles were among them because they were handpicked to be the apostles of Christ. And they were handpicked by Jesus. And they were told after Jesus ascends into heaven, so Jesus rises from the dead, and Jesus didn't, I don't know if you <clears throat> realize this, but it, it's good for us to understand is that after the crucifixion, and we'll celebrate here in a few, few weeks uh, on Easter Sunday, is that Jesus was crucified, he was buried, he was put in the tomb, and three days later he rose from the dead. And, and a lot of times it's easy for us to kind of think, well, Jesus rose from the dead and he went back to heaven. But that's not what happened. Jesus appeared to the disciples for a period of 40 days. He continued to interact with them. There are over 500 witnesses that would give eyewitness testimony that they interacted with the resurrected Christ. And then after that period, which is a significant number um, for I don't know why, like I don't know why it's a significant number to God, but it is the number 40. Um, For 40 days, Moses fasted. 
Um, we see Jesus did the same thing. Um, the, 40, the number 40 is all over the Bible. Well, I believe it was 40 days afterwards, he ascended. And we refer to that as the ascension of Christ. And he no longer made those appearances with the disciples. Now, during this period, the Holy Spirit did not exist. In the, he existed. He did not indwell the believer. And so believers were still functioning like they were in the Old Testament. They were relying on what they had been taught and relying on the word itself, the truth of God's word. And they were just trying to make the best of the situation and waiting on God. And Jesus told them, go back and wait. And he had talked so much about the pneuma, the paracleti, the Holy Spirit, the comforter will come at just the right time. And upon his ascension, he even says in Acts chapter 1, when he comes, you're going to receive power um, to be witnesses for me. And you're going to go throughout um, Judea and Samaria and the uttermost parts of the earth, and you're going to testify about what I, what I have done and who I am and how the good news of the gospel is available to all. But wait, don't start doing that until the Holy Spirit comes. And so these guys are waiting. And during that time of the waiting for the Holy Spirit to come, they are reminded that the Scripture says in the book of Psalms that the Messiah would choose 12, but there would be one who would fall away and another would take his place. And so that was about Judas. And Judas had committed suicide, and so now there were only 11, and they needed a 12th. And they were trying to figure out, how do we go about deciding who this um, 12th person is? And they nominated two guys, and they couldn't make a decision between, I believe it was Barnabas and, and Matthias. Give me some grace if I've got the first one wrong. But they got these two guys, and they, and they couldn't decide. Is it, is it Barnabas or is it Matthias that is supposed to take Judas's place? And so what they did is they did what they knew to do. They cast lots to make a decision. What is casting lots? Well, the high priests would carry in the breastplate um, the urim and the thummim, and, and it, they would be in a little pouch. And when they needed to make a decision and they weren't sure what to do, they would get these things out and they would cast the lots, and however the lots fell, kind of like drawing straws almost, however it fell, that must be God's will. And so they got down to these two guys, and they were like, we don't know which one to pick. And so they cast lots, and the lot fell to Matthias. And he became the one who replaced Judas. Now, what's cool is that's how they made the decision. And so don't go away from here and go, well, all right, should I buy a car? All right? Because what happens is in Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 13, what Jesus said, what happened, happened. We refer to it as the day of Pentecost. And the day of Pentecost simply means the day the Spirit of God came down. And so all of God that was in Jesus, now as all of God is coming down to inhabit the believer. So again, there's only a hundred and something of them. Okay? Let's say a hundred, we'll just round it off and say 130. And so they're waiting still, even after they have cast lots and picked Matthias, and they're praying, and they're, they're in hiding. They're afraid. They're afraid that the same thing that happened to Jesus is going to happen to them. And so as they're waiting and, and just being obedient, to, Jesus said to wait, 
They're praying. On this day, the Spirit of God came down upon them. And it would be like if they were in a room, probably much smaller than this. Imagine a, a group of us in a room, 15 or 20 people or so, and we're just trying to pray. We're, we're doing the best that we can. We really don't know how to pray real well other than how Jesus taught us. But we saw what Jesus did, and that's what they were doing. And they're talking to, to God. They're scared. They're probably saying, Lord, don't let anything happen to us like happened to you. Right? And all of a sudden, the Spirit of God falls. And it's a miracle. It's a miracle of God, much like the miracles of the Old Testament. And it is a miraculous time period where the apostles, even at this point in time, became, um, they, they were able now to do some of the really amazing things that Jesus did. And that was for a certain period of time to authenticate the message of the gospel and to advance the kingdom. And so the Spirit comes down upon these guys, and they're just overwhelmed. They, it's even described, as Luke writes about it in Acts chapter 2, that there were these cloven tongues of fire that rested above their heads. And they just came out of that room and started preaching. It would be like they were downtown in Kansas City, staying in a hotel, and all of a sudden, man, the Spirit of God come over them, and they just went out on the streets and started preaching. And Peter is the one that begins to preach. And as he preaches, over 3,000 people become followers of Jesus, and they are indwelt with the Spirit. So they immediately go from 100 to 3,000, and the church just, boom, just comes out of the ground. There weren't churches on every street corner like there are now. It just happened. There was no church one day, and then, boom, there was the church. And this thing started to grow. And so as it started to grow, um, what's fascinating is they never casted lots again in the New Testament. Like, the casting lots is all over the Old Testament. It was the way to do it. But in the New Testament, when they need to make decisions now, they don't cast lots anymore. Um, they're, they're listening to the voice of God because now the voice of God is speaking to them individually and they're looking to establish unity as they make decisions about the direction they're supposed to go as a body of believers. And we get to Acts chapter 5. In Acts chapter 5, there's a, a couple of characters by the name of Ananias and Sapphira. And um, what's happening in the church because it's experiencing such rapid growth and all of these people had made pilgrimages uh, to, to Jerusalem for the festival that they had to do annually. But when the Spirit of God came upon them, the Spirit of God said, don't go back home. Stay right here in Jerusalem. And so it created this need. None of them had jobs, and you couldn't get a job in the Jewish community if you claimed that Jesus was the Messiah because the Jewish uh, state, if you will, rejected Jesus as a Messiah, and they were behind his crucifixion. So now you were finding yourself in a position where you couldn't find work, and all you had were the people of God. And there were some families even divided. There might be um, a mom and dad that didn't believe Jesus was the Messiah, and a son and daughter that did, and they would reject one another. And they wouldn't take care of their kids. They would ostracize them. They would be put out of the synagogue. They couldn't even go to the synagogue anymore. They were totally put out of everything that was Jewish and everything they knew their entire lives. And so it created this need. And so financially, there were people 
among the first group of 100 or 3,000, if you will, that, that were affluent. They had wealth. They had things. They had land. And so some of them felt the voice of the Lord speaking to them, sell your land and help these people. And Barnabas was one of them. And so Barnabas, he liquidated some land he owned, and he took the cash that he received from it, and he helped take care of the people of God. And well, this is like, man, these people thought that was amazing. Look at what Barnabas is doing. It's so awesome. He's such a a great person. I mean, I, I don't know what I would have done. I couldn't feed my family. And Barnabas sold his land so that I could feed my family. And so, man, this was, this was just a cool thing. And people weren't trying to be elevated in the church, but they were being elevated because it was just an amazing story of how the Lord was moving. So Ananias and Sapphira saw that. And they were like, hey, man, we got a little cash. We can get in on some of that. And so they decided to sell some of their land. And they wanted to get the same notoriety that Barnabas was getting. And so they brought the money and they said, hey, we sold this piece of land. We want to give it as Brother Barnabas did. But the problem is, is they kept some of it back. And they didn't even have to sell the land. The Lord never even asked them to sell the land. They were just trying to manipulate the people to gain notoriety. And man, they had some severe consequences. It cost them their lives. And why, why would that happen? Well, one of the reasons I believe it happened is because they were living in a time where the signs of God were like the, the liberty he gave and allowed for that was a miraculous period, like during the exodus of Israel. And it was, it was no time to be messing around. And the, the, that passage in that story about Ananias and Sapphira says that great fear fell upon the church when it came to the Holy Spirit. Like they had, a, by, by a fear, it doesn't mean that they were terrified of the Holy Spirit. It means that they were afraid of lying to the Spirit, pretending to be something that they weren't. And so great fear fell upon them. They had a reverence for the Spirit of God, the pneuma of God. And, and we learned that in the next few chapters, they grew rapidly. And that's one of the things that's missing in the church today is a great fear of the Holy Spirit. Um, sometimes people don't even think about the Holy Spirit, that there are no consequences. And there are always consequences with God, especially if, especially if we are children of God. He says he will discipline us. He will chastise us. He will, as, as we do our own children, to help us find the way that he wants us to go. And because of that great fear and that great reverence, man, they experienced incredible growth. And the growth, your next reference says Acts chapter 7, but it's actually Acts chapter 6, the growth was so intense and, and, and happened so fast for them that they couldn't take care of all the needs of the people. And so they didn't know what to do. And there were some different people groups within the church that came and they were saying, look, man, the needs of these people aren't, our people aren't getting taken care of. And, and, the, and the other group was saying, our needs aren't getting taken care of either. And they're complaining against each other because they had genuine needs. And so the they're like, look at that, and, and the, the apostles say, look, we don't have time to deal with this because we need to be giving all of our attention to the word and to prayer. And so they tell them, set aside some men that are, what, filled with the Spirit and let them handle these things so that we can move on. So what did, how did they make a decision? They looked for men who were filled with the Spirit, and the only way to be filled with the Spirit not indwelt with the Spirit, 
There's two different things. And dwell with the Spirit means the Spirit is in me. Filled with the Spirit means the Spirit is coming out of me. Okay? A glass can have water in it, and it is indwelt with water. But a glass that is full of water is spilling water all over the counter. The more you try to put in, the more it goes and touches other places. And so that's what they were looking for, is men who are filled. And as they would appoint people to take on different positions, they would look for people, men and women, who are filled with the Spirit and give that to them. So the pneuma of God is moving the church forward as they're making decisions. They're looking for those kinds of things. Well, then we get in Acts chapter 11, <clears throat> and next week we'll learn about one of the stories between Peter and Cornelius, and we'll see how God speaks to the two of them to bring them together. But what's going on there in that story is the gospel is going to move beyond Jewish people. Up to this point, it is just Jewish people who are receiving the good news of Christ. But then all of a sudden, the gospel is opened up to the Gentile. Now, what, what, why is that significant? Because all throughout the Jew, uh, Israelite history, the history of Israel, is that Gentile people were viewed as unclean people. You, you, if, you were, if you were around a Gentile person, or you, a Gentile person came into your house, or you went into their house, <clears throat> you couldn't participate in some of the religious observances of Judaism. And so... Now, all of a sudden, <clears throat> they've got a problem because Gentile people are coming to know the Lord. And, and they're looking at all the things that they, they've been given through the law of Moses that says, like, what do we do here? Because it says to not, like, not have those kind of occurrences happening that makes a Jewish person unclean because it's an unkosher experience for them to have. And they came across some verses because the Spirit had reminded them and, and shown them that the gospel, like the good news, the Messiah would open a way for the Gentiles. And how did they know that what was happening with these Gentiles was legitimate? They looked and they said, man, these guys have the Holy Spirit. The pneuma of God is in them, and so we can't deny that. And they just opened it up, and the Gentiles became part of the church. And you should say, amen, that's good news. And I don't think we have a Jewish person in the house today. If we do, not very many. Most of us are Gentiles. The gospel was opened up to us, and now the good news is available to us. And so they made the decision on how could this happen, and is this okay, based upon the fact that the Spirit was in them. And then in, verse, in chapter 13, there are a group of guys who are filled with the Spirit, and they're prophets and teachers and preachers of the Word. They're meeting in a room, and they're fasting and praying. And as they're fasting and praying, the Spirit of God says to them, Set aside Barnabas and Saul and Paul and send them out for me. I want them to go out. And so the Spirit of God spoke to them. So what they do? They set aside Paul and Barnabas. They laid hands on them, and they sent them out on a missionary journey that they didn't know what was going to happen, but they knew that the Lord was calling them to do that. And then finally, the final illustration, just again, just to give you a picture of, of how vision works in the church, Numa vision. You say, well, I never heard of Numa Vision. I hadn't either until I wrote it down last week. Um, but but it, it, it's just a vision of the Spirit. <clears throat> the Holy Spirit keeps Paul, like Paul is winning when he's on this missionary journey. He and Barnabas have gone separate ways. And the Holy Spirit wants to preach in a province of Asia. And the Holy Spirit says, no, you can't go there. Then he wants to go to Bithynia. And the Holy Spirit says, no, you can't go there either. 
Like Paul is willing to go, he wants to go, he's trying to go, and everything is frustrating, all of his plans, and the Spirit says you can't go there. But at night, in the night, he has a vision. He has a vision of a man in Macedonia crying out, come over here and help us. And so immediately the next day, they load up and they head to Macedonia. And the ministry continues to move, and the church and the gospel spreads. And that's how Paul was able to do so many of the significant things that he did. As you read through his letters, they're all about all of these different um, journeys that he is on as he's listening to the Holy Spirit. And so we look at that and we go, okay, this is how the Holy Spirit functions. What are our takeaways from that? What I want to share with you today. The first one is, that I want you to hear today is that the Holy Spirit leads OPCC. Like, we're trying to do this. We're committed to being this kind of church. This is the way a church should function. It should not function because there's a superintendent somewhere, and he's telling us what we should do. It should not function because there's a committee somewhere that tells us this is what we should do. You know what a committee of, or a, you know what, a, you know what, a, this isn't a book I've had the, some of the guys reading. Uh, a pack of vultures is called a committee. <laughs> Not, a pack of lions is a pride, right? But a committee's just kind of consume things. We don't do things based upon committee. We don't do things based upon even because what I say. I'm going to come in and I'm going to set the direction and that's where we're going to go. Now we could. And I could set that direction, I could set that tone, but I, I shouldn't by myself. Um, overall, God might birth a vision in me, but there should be unity in the vision, and others should come around me, and we should be able to hear the voice of the Lord that this is the direction that we're supposed to move in. And so that's what we're trying to do. And the more of us that are in step with the Holy Spirit, the easier this is to do, and the healthier the church becomes. So sometimes if you don't like the vision of the church, it may be that you're not filled with the Spirit. And the church can't get to the vision that it's supposed to be because all of the people aren't sensitive enough to the Holy Spirit that the Lord is pouring out enough direction that we know where we're to go. And so we need to all be walking in the fullness of the Spirit, listening to what the Lord is saying. And, a, you know, part of my job is to communicate the vision to the body, which is what I'm going to do right now, communicate what I believe the Lord has been saying to us um, over the past few years. But th this is the way it's supposed to be. That's what led us to build this cross out here. <laughs> that whole cross, man, that thing costs way more than we would have ever designed. As a matter of fact, this is kind of how it went down real quick. Me and Sherry Lynch started trying to meet with a sign company to figure out how we could build a sign that would kind of say a message that would tell people, we're more relevant than what our building says. And we met with several sign companies. We finally selected one sign company. We thought these guys are going to be able to do it. They showed us all these cool things. And then we waited and they sent us back something. And we're like, this is terrible. This is not going to work. And that led us to the conclusion that we're going to have to do something a little bit different. A sign's not going to do it. And the next thing you know, we had an architect. He designed something. He's supposed to be within a budget. He misses the budget. Now we're really embarrassed. I get up before the church. I explain to the church, hey, it's a really cool design. Here it is. We thought we could do it, but it came back. And it's like five or six times what we originally budgeted. And we don't know what to do. That's what I said on a Sunday morning in September a few years ago. 
And I cracked a joke. And I said, unless one of you has $100,000, we'll figure out how to get the rest of the money. Went on, preached the rest of the sermon. Before I went home that day, $75,000 was committed to the project. Within three to four more weeks, we were well over 300000 And we were like, I guess the Lord wants to build this thing. And there was no like, oh, we got a plan. We're going to do it. The Lord just did it, man. And, and so now we look at it and we go, well, what is the result of that? The result is that I've been here for going on 11 years. Um, I'll start my 11th year this summer. I cannot tell you how many times a person has asked me, where are you a pastor at? And I tell them, and they go, I don't know there's a church there. I didn't know there was a church there. In the last six weeks, last week, I had three conversations with people up at Blue Valley Rec that I'd never met before. They asked me, where your church is? I said, it's on 148th Metcalf. They stopped. Oh, you're the one with the new cross. Y'all just built. That's us. Like, it's all, I'm like, wow, this is crazy, man. And, and so what is the result of that? Well, we have a lot of new people in the family. So what do we do? Well, we see that we're growing and we got the church is like, it's not completely full. You say, well, there's some chairs here and there. It starts to get a little cramped, right? So next week we go to two services. It feels like, man, we, 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 I've prayed about going to two services for the last five years. We've got clothes to come down. We got clothes. And I just knew the Lord would tell me and he's showing me it's, it's time to do it. There's a little bit of me that doesn't want to do it because it feels so good to have the room a little bit fuller. But if we're going to be obedient to what the Lord has asked us to do, and we're going to continue to reach people, we do what we are called to do. And so we go to two services next week. We try it on for size. There'll be uh, 9 o'clock and 10.45, and we let the Lord continue to do his things. Now, with all of these new people, what we have been listening to and hearing from the Lord is that we need to help people connect. And so we kind of come up with like connect four. Like that, that's a cool game, man. Right? And there are four ways that people connect with the body. First of all, they connect on a Sunday morning. Some of you, your first time here is today. So you, you've connected with the church in one way or another. The second way we see that people need to connect is um, through events. And maybe they go to an event that we're hosting and a relationship gets a little bit deeper. The third way, and third and fourth, neither in, in any particular order, is that a person would serve, they would connect through serving some way, and fourth, and ultimately what this is all about is that they connect with someone else, and they have a relationship. And so we have been thinking through some of that, and, and, and the Holy Spirit has led us to be a church that's committed to discipleship. And so we try to make disciples that make disciples. And we've been heavily invested in that and walking that out over the last few years because Jesus commanded us to do it. Go ye therefore and make disciples of all nations and baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And so we've been trying to walk that out. And in the midst of walking that out, and discipleship is really a part of our DNA because we see the Lord, that's what his desire is for the church. And we are going to continue to walk that out. But here's a piece of discipleship. It's called up, in, and out. And the up is we connect with God vertically. And then we connect with each other um, horizontally. That's up and that's in. And so as I connect with people inside the church, I'm doing the, I'm doing the up with God and I'm doing the in with them. And maybe we do the up and the in together. 
Well, then the third piece is the out. And that's where we reach out and we build relationships and we start nurturing those relationships and we start really doing life on life. And what the Lord has showed us, maybe he's not showing us, I don't know. The Lord has showed us, you better get those back on, my notes are really dark. What the Lord has showed us is that um, we, we uh, have really struggled with the out piece. Um, I'm fine, Sean. It'll, it'll be fine. We have struggled with the out. And so we did, we, we did in discipleship, we did really good up with the up and the in. But as far as modeling, um, you guys just forget about it because you're going to get me so messed up, I'm, I'm never going to get through the talk. And everybody's looking at y'all. You guys look at me, man. Hard enough to get out. So, so, so like the uh, the we, we struggle with the out. Okay, so so what we've done is we've tried to listen to the Lord. What does the Lord want us to do? And that's the result of some of the things that we've been doing. We've been doing these bro bashes. Um, we've got a lot of women's events that we've we've started in the last um, few weeks. And a new thing that we're starting is called Outposts, and we've had one of them. There's another one happening um, this week, and, and they're going to be on a rhythm. You're going to start hearing about those. And these outposts and these different events are just a place for people to connect. They're, they're, they're really just, that's all they're about is relationship. And so, um, if you, you know, you're looking for connection, there are going to be ways for you to do that. But what I would say is that I, I need the disciple makers to understand that I've invested in for all these years is the Holy Spirit has had you there for a reason, and I need you to be involved in some of the things that are happening, and we need to figure out who is the Lord calling me to disciple, and how do we take, how do we take this out that's trying to teach us how to live life on life better and marry it with everything that we've been doing for the past few years and really begin to see God use us to make the disciples that he wants us to make. Okay, So that's, that's kind of like what we've been focused on here and how you're seeing us. Like You, you might feel like some of you have been around and I say, where are we? shifting away or not we're not shifting away we're listening we're just listening and we're trying to be obedient to what the Lord has called us to do and so that brings us to the next takeaway um, there are three ways you can help o- OPCC get stronger and healthier and here they are pray just pray just talk to the Lord and ask the Lord to continue to lead and help us see his vision for OPCC not my vision, not Shay's vision, not Corey's vision, not your vision, his vision. And so we just continue to pray. And we ask the Lord that on a daily basis, man, I just pray over that and ask the Lord to show me. And he is faithful to do it, and he will do that. The second thing is participate. Jump in and be a part of the process. Be a part of some of these things that are happening. And some of some of you, you, you guys have been doing great, man. We've had lots of new people coming in. This week was really cool because the bro bashes have been really kind of light and fun-hearted. You know, we, we, we've, they've not been real spiritually focused. They've been more relationally driven. But this last one we did, um, it, was, it was awesome. We had, uh, I think we had about six guys in the lobby. They don't know that they did this, but they all stood up and preached the gospel. 
And it was awesome, man. And, and it, was, it was just such a cool thing to see them interact with the word. And, and they learned how to do a tool that we use called storying. And, and so it was just kind of like sharing with them. And so like get involved in some of these things, whether it's if, if you're a disciple maker, don't think, oh, well, I don't have a place that you do because you're going to build relationships and the Lord can show you some different things. And so participate. And then finally, pursue the Lord and his people. Like pursue the Lord and his people. Because that, just as Tara stepped into those waters and was baptized today, that was an act of obedience. When you pursue the Lord and you pursue his people, that is an act of obedience. That's how you, it's a way that you can, because we're clearly communicating to you as a body that this is where the Lord is leading us. This is what we're trying to do. Um, and this is what we need from you. And so just like I opened up and said that day uh, about the cross and the plans, I don't know what to do. Um, this is like, this is where, we're, where the Lord has us and we, we believe he'll show us the next thing. Same thing I'm doing right now. I don't have it all figured out. And so here's, that's, that leads me to the big idea. Numa vision is letting the Holy Spirit lead. That's all it is. Okay? Now, we, we watch a lot of television, and it's not li- unlike Numa vision. Well, in content it is. When you watch a lot of television, and you go to somebody's house, you go to your brother-in-law's house, and you watch television, and he's got the remote, you watch what he wants to watch. And sometimes it can be really frustrating. Well, as he popped through there, doot, 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 and he stopped for a minute, and you're starting to get into something, doot, 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 doot. <laughs> and then it happened again. Doot, 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 doot. And then finally, eventually, we're trying to settle in on something that we both or all of us in the room are, are, are like entertained by. So when it comes to NumaVision, like it is unpredictable. <laughs> I'm not going to get up here and tell you, like I could, I could come up with a plan and say, okay, here's church growth one-on-one. I've had people try to get me to do mailers. Hey, let's, let's do a bunch of mailers. Let's, let's target this. Let's target that. Let's blow this thing up. I'm not trying to build a business, folks. Like there's money in businesses. That's not what life is about. It's about people. It's about the Lord's people. It's about a a journey of faith and listening to the Lord and letting him do his thing and just letting him show us. And if we step into two services and it continues to blow up and we have to go to three services, we'll go to three services. We step into two services and three months we go, okay, we don't need two services anymore. Let's go back to one. That's okay. It's totally okay. And, and, and it's like the remote. The difference is the Holy Spirit has the remote and we're just listening to him and letting him pick what it is that he wants us to see. And so... The proper attitude in all of this, as we land, is humility. Like you can't walk this like it's not the like it's not the funnest thing to be a leader and get up and stand before the people and say, I don't know. But what I have found with the Lord is the more that I can do that, the more that it really looks like I know what I'm doing. Because He starts showing us stuff. And so the more that you can do that in your own life, 
the more that you can be humble and go, I, I'm not certain what to do here. Lord, show me. He will show you. And as you see it and he impresses upon you and he speaks to you and you step into it, then some more freedom is going to be unlocked. And as he continues to show us, we will be the church that he's supposed to be. And nothing, hell can't stop us. Because why? We're his church. We're not our church. We're his church doing what he has asked us to do. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes. What does the word mean for you today? And the real question when you boil it all down, today's message is, who has the remote in your life? Is it you? And just switching this whole spiritual thing on on Sunday and then turning it off to a different channel the rest of the week? Or is it the Holy Spirit every day showing you what, what you're supposed to be doing, who you're supposed to be interacting with? And I want to invite you, man, like... Like, I know many of you are already on that journey. I want to encourage you. Those of you who haven't stepped over yet, man, give up the remote. Give up the remote and start seeing all that the Lord is doing around you. I'm going to lead us here in a moment in a word of prayer and turn the service over to Sean to close us out. But I do want you to have a time of commitment. If you make a decision... If you want to know more about what, it, what does it mean to be a follower of Jesus and filled and indwelt with the Spirit, and you got questions, there's a, there's a connection thing in your bulletin. You just fill it out, and um, we'll reach out to you. We'll help you with that. No pressure. We're here to help you. We're not here to try to make you do something that the Lord doesn't want you to do. Lord, we thank you today. We thank you, Holy Spirit for indwelling us and filling us. We thank you as a body for leading us. We're excited about the future. We're humbled by the opportunity. And we know, Lord, that you have something special that you want to do with this group of people, Lord, in this community that I believe are going to shake the foundations of hell and rescue a lot of people that are yours that you're going to make known to us. And so help us keep our mind focused on what you're doing, Holy Spirit. Help us yield to you. Help us love people well and make disciples that make disciples. And we ask all of these things in the wonderful name of Christ. Amen. Thank you for listening to audio from Overland Park Community Church in Overland Park, Kansas. For more information, visit us online at overlandpark.cc.